a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Dave X Media. Hello and welcome to Content and Capable, a podcast all about following your passions while still feeling like a proper adult. My name's Sam and I'm your host. This week I spoke to Caitlin from the Bechdel cast all about her work on Bechdel cast and her experience in comedy and TV shows and movies and a whole bunch of other cool things. Welcome to Content and Capable, Caitlin. It's lovely to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I am delighted to be here. For the listener who may not be aware of the inner machinations of my brain at this point, because I swear the amount I overshare on here, I think I get to the point where I'm like, people know how I think, right? Um, <laughs> but the... Um, I'm getting to the end of like my Uber organization spree where like I messaged a whole bunch of people and like organized a whole bunch of like recording sessions. And so I have all these like a month's worth of backlog ready to be edited, ready to go. Right on. And it, it's like scary because I'm like, I'm getting complacent now, but also like, this is amazing. I don't have to think about, you know, all of these episodes that I need to organize because I already have a month and I can spend a month, you know, organizing the next set. Isn't that the um, best? And also- It is amazing. The worst, yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying because, like, you get to the end of, like, uh, and, like, I'm getting towards the end of the year. I, I take my break because I'm Australian-based. I take my break through the end of December and all of January. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like- Right, because that's forget- summer for you. Yeah, it is. I still um, and cannot wrap my head around that. Yeah. Uh, and the worst part is, is because there are so many holidays through that time, like, especially with Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. And then I don't like talk, like sending any official emails until like the 15th of January, like when people really start coming back from their holidays. Right. It really is really annoying because you like, I could definitely like, with my American audience, definitely be speaking to a lot more people from the the states. But even then, I don't want to be like, like I feel like I don't. I still don't understand like the whole return to work straight after New Year's. Like it definitely takes me two weeks to recover mm-hmm. from New Year's. So yeah, I mean, very same. strange. And it's not even summer. Well, it's I live in LA, so it's endless summer. Endless summer, amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, love it. I love that. Yes. Um, Caitlin, for those who might not recognize your voice, um, who are you and uh, where ha- might people recognize you? Well, if you don't recognize me, how dare you? <laughs> um, Cancelled. C- Cancelled, uh, executed. No, that was a horrible thing to say. Okay, um, let me start <laughs> over. <laughs> I am Caitlin Durante. I am a comedian. I do stand up and I host a podcast called The Bechtel Cast with my dear friend Jamie Loftus. And we analyze movies through an intersectional feminist lens. And that's, uh, that's pretty much all the, ma- the major things. Mm. And for, I- I'm guessing you've told this story so many times, being such an influential, fl- famous person. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, how, where did the idea for the Bechtel cast come from? So it was uh, shortly after I moved to LA, which I guess was, oh my gosh, 
you know what is wild? Today might be my like eight year LA anniversary. It's either today or tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> wow, what a what a celebratory moment f- for me this week. But um, so I, I moved to LA around eight years ago, and as soon as I got here, I was like, well, I it's illegal for me as a comedian to not have a podcast so i better Mm. um do something about that and i just kind of like racked my brain and was like what do i know anything about what could i speak with any kind of authority on and the only thing that i could figure out was movies so i was like Mm. well i'll have a movie podcast uh what else but you know but what else and uh i love feminism uh so brave of me to admit (laughs) and i was like well what if i kind of did a sort of a feminist uh examining movies through a feminist lens that is not something that like i mean obviously there are many like critics and reviewers and things like that but i don't like the the kind of podcast market for that had been like a little untapped at that point so um i was like well i'll just uh do that also i guess this was like two years after i moved to la my timeline is i don't even oh but like it takes two years to go from like i need a podcast through to let's create and here's a fully formed idea for a podcast exactly because i was like oh the podcast has only been on for about six years Anyway, um, yeah, I was just like, this This feels like something that um, hasn't really been done t- to a great extent, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so why not combine my, my two biggest passions, uh, movies and intersectional feminism, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and, and turn it into one podcast. So that's kind of where the idea just came from, uh, you know, yeah. a, a need to... B- have my voice be heard uh, as a as a comedian with um you know issues needing constantly needing to constantly be validated <laughs> and then i reached out to Jamie and i was like hey do you want to do this with me i feel like you'd be uh like the perfect co-host for this and you, you know that we'd like have mm. a swell time she's like i'm so down uh and the rest wow, is history amazing that's so fascinating. It's like the whole, especially like six years ago where podcasting was just the thing that was blowing up at that point in time. Mm. And there was still like that weird level of inaccessibility. You didn't have, you know, every second person creating a podcast out of their bedroom. You right. Know. <laughs> <laughs> it was like uh, gearing the- up to that at that point, but yeah. like not quite there. We had in the pandemic, and I do reference this, uh, an inordinate amount of time for someone who uh, creates a podcast, but we did have a a campaign right in the middle of the pandemic from our national broadcaster, so the ABC, you know, publicly funded, that was Mm -hmm. literally don't create a podcast. The whole, like, (laughs) the whole message was don't create a podcast, Um, which I think it was like a subtle ad for uh, the ABC creates some amazing podcasts. It's actually part of what got me into podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other part of it, I think, was just like, we need something to make people laugh. Like, like this is just like a, a funny thing, a funny mm-hmm. ha-ha. Um, but also was, good advice. It, don't create a podcast. It is very good advice. <laughs> I think don't create a podcast unless you've really, like, 
thought it through. And if you think you've thought it through, wait six months. Um, <laughs> yep. And, um, it's hard. Podcasting is not an easy thing. And it's hard to maintain a level of energy, especially when, you know, you might be not achieving what you thought your podcast could. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, you might feel like you're... I often find when I like commit to a creative endeavor, I've stuck myself in a niche somewhere and it's very hard to kind of escape that and evolve, especially as like media evolves over and over again as well. Mm-hmm. It's It's been very interesting to watch, especially podcasts in like the same kind of subgenre as you guys of like analyzing movies and like having a chat about movies and mm-hmm. how like hard it's been for people to to kind of like evolve with the times i found sure yeah um yeah it, it is a struggle because you're always like because party was like well i need to like stay on brand um yeah. and a lot of people think that means just sort of like committing to a bit that you can never evolve yeah. from which um i mean might work for some shows but didn't and wouldn't work for the Bechtel cast at least because like the discourse is always changing progress is always being made like we Mm -hmm. are becoming aware of more and more things and kind of more and more societal ills so um yeah yeah we we're always at least I hope we are always growing and changing and evolving with the times there is that like weird part of podcasting as well where it is like chaos you know and it's like oh Mm -hmm. wow we're watching like we're watching this, you know, and it's it's entertaining to watch. And I don't know, as long as people feel healthy creating it, I don't see a problem with it. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's, like, really amazing to watch podcasters take, like, either, like, a really quite manicured approach or, like, here's everything. Here's the, the bombshell of a room and we're just going to exist in here. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky because, like, when you're recording a podcast, you're mm. – I mean, it, I guess it depends on the show, but uh, in a lot of cases, you're just sort of speaking off the cuff. You don't know what you're going to say until you're saying it. And um, and sometimes, like, I mean, I definitely misspeak on the on the show, and then I either oh, have yeah. to, like, take something back, like, you know, take it back or just, like, or it just takes me a while to figure out what my point is, and then I've rambled for two minutes, and then I'm like, oh, and here's my point, and then I have to be like... Well, all this other stuff was useless. So, I mean, yeah. I edit the podcast and I there's so much that I'm like, well, this doesn't need to be listened to by anybody. I will just cut this out of oh, yeah, uh, all things the time. that I've said. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's tricky. So, um, uh, bottom line, editing, good <laughs> for, for me at least. Always, always good. I always appreciate editing so much more when I listen back to the before and after or like have the other thing that like I've been asked to do recently is like listen to some of my early episodes and listen to like my most recent episodes and while my editing process has changed I don't think I'm editing any more or less from it I'm just being uh, like selecting different things that I'm like I'm actually going to remove that section instead of this mm-hmm. um, which is always very fascinating yeah. and when when comedy is involved I think it's also like a a very interesting insight into like the way people view comedic timing and the individual like tastes in comedy, which I'm sure is something over your last eight years in LA you would have definitely experienced. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't even listen to or like watch videos of my stand up from like eight years ago. Cause I'm like, why were those the things that I thought I should be saying? Um, not that they, I mean, other things have aged horribly, uh, such mm -hmm. as most movies, but, um, I am still just like, oh, yikes, like, oof, would not vouch for uh, me as a, a comedian eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it is fascinating um, to watch people's craft develop as well. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, how long have you been creating comedy for? I started stand-up like 14 years ago, and... And to be fair to myself, uh, I, I've never said anything like wildly problematic. I mean, I've, I, I've seen open micers like yesterday yeah. go on stage and like spew a bunch of hate speech, basically like saying all this like transphobic and racist and sexist and, you know, and you name it, um, rhetoric and, and then like pretending like it's comedy. I never yeah. did anything like that, but I would still just kind of like, I don't know, just like s s focus on things or say things that, uh, that I, I wouldn't, um, <laughs> I wouldn't and I'm not doing today. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've been doing comedy for about 14 years and, um, it, my style hasn't changed that much. It's more just like the, the specific, nature of the content that i'm choosing to talk yeah. about has has evolved over the years yeah and i don't know like especially with the bechdel cast and you know having been worked on that for a very long time like has that informed the way that you you might write comedy now as as com as compared to the way that you write you wrote comedy in the past for sure. Although I've been absolutely slacking as a stand-up comic and especially in regards to writing new material for a while now. I mean, the pandemic made it hard for me. I mean, yeah. a lot of people were like, oh, what a great time to write a whole bunch of new material. And for me, I was like, what a great time to be depressed and sleep all the time. Um, so that was my path. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it's definitely kind of in informed um, my joke writing and just sort of like my overall comedic sensibilities, um, for sure. Because like I, because so much of comedy, mm. it, whether it's been in movies, in sketch comedy, in stand up, like whatever the medium, has re relied on punching down. Um, yeah, which again is is something I've, I've never done. Um, because uh, it just never felt right to me, and yeah. and and now you watch like I don't know, just a movie from 1999, like a comedy from the 90s or early 2000s, or you know, listen to someone's stand-up special from 15 years ago, and so again, so much of of what people find acceptable to. <laughs> to be comedy or to or what people perceive as is comedic is is punching down usually to marginalized people mm -hmm. um yeah so i don't even know what my point is with this basically that like and of course not all comedy i mean there's there's a lot of comedy that ages well because it doesn't rely on punching down um 
but any comedy that has that like sort of the crux of the joke was like, oh, I'm going to make fun of this trans person or I'm going to make fun of this queer person or, you know, whatever it is, or just like bash on women. Um, yeah. We watch that now and we're like, oops, a daisy. Yes, that is how, <laughs> what we all thought was funny in, you know, 20 years ago. Um, but through our kind of modern lens doesn't hold up. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's where, and I think that the appreciation for British comedy, but even to as an extension, Australian comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, of all things, I was watching an analysis on RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under um, this uh-huh. morning on TikTok, and they were talking about how having Australian judges who understand Australian culture and Australian comedy would have made the the experience, the watching experience better and people would have, like, enjoyed it more into this whole conversation of, like, what drag, pe- you know, drag influences would you have on to kind of judge, you know, a competition like RuPaul's Drag, wa- mm-hmm. drag Race. But um, it really, like, reminded me that, like, Australian and UK comedy is very much dry and often self-deprecating yeah. and it seems to last way longer than um, what I find. <laughs> like the Family Guy and the the Simpsons of the world where you, you seem to be punching down instead of, you know, either punching across or upwards. Right. Yes. Um, I th- if there was more like <laughs> class satire in mm-hmm. American comedy, we probably wouldn't be having this problem. But what Americans <laughs> th- uh, thought was funny was shit like American Pie and... Yeah like adam sandler movies and like god i don't even know what else dumb and dumber yeah before anyone like drops into my mentions being like dumb and dumber is the funniest movie i ever made i'm just i don't (laughs) like i don't disagree that there might be parts of dumb and dumber that people find hilarious The, the thing about comedy and i think the beauty in like all creative pursuits is that you have different tastes and so mm-hmm. you know i we we might feel uncomfortable you know with dumb and dumber as like a conceptually funny thing but on the other hand like we don't like that's that's our opinion it's not someone like you don't have to have that opinion we're not saying people have to i'm all i ever say is love whatever you want to love but just be Mm -hmm. critical about the media you consume and then i give a little like wink (laughs) (laughs) um that i think is the perfect like summary of exactly what um like a successful like successful analysis on media looks like like Mm -hmm. if i think to you know some of my favorite media analysis podcasts you know everything from mary clay on uh, that one that's what i'm talking about and her like critical analysis while still really enjoying the books or Mm -hmm. christina on you know the restricted section going hey you know we understand that you know harry potter is not the greatest thing but this is why it has longevity and let's discuss, mm-hmm. you know, what we think about it. Um, and then, you know, especially your your podcast is almost seems purpose made for this where it's like, let's have a look at this through a critical lens and then have a discussion about, you know, why we enjoyed it and what we thought about it in the context of, you know, especially the Bechdel test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So you're welcome, everybody. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Caitlin solved podcasting. We don't need to worry about it anymore. It's all fixed. Yeah. Um, and, and again, you don't, don't start a podcast. No one needs to start any new podcast because I cracked the code. <laughs> yeah. That's it. No more podcasts. They're all banned. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is very fascinating. And I think we're seeing a very interesting analysis now and a bit of self-reflection um, beyond the pandemic when everyone like there was like a second wave of like people creating podcasts and so there's a bit of bit of self-reflection of is this podcast going in the direction that the creators want it to go in mm-hmm. but the the way that the audience and me and media is going in as well uh, it's it's very fascinating and i think the long form format of you know podcasts between 20 minutes and an hour is going to really change over the next few years as we kind of reset what we find valuable and not as valuable. What do you think it's going to be like in the future? Ooh, I think that um, I've had this conversation with um, some other creators on the Deus Ex Media Network. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is going to be understanding where a bit ends and moving on or not even just a bit, like a topic as well mm-hmm. and being able to keep a higher pace because with the rise of short form media like TikTok and the shortening of tweets and things like that, mm-hmm. we are getting to a point where our attention spans aren't great, but we can still concentrate for like an hour or two if we are moving in a direction that is like fast enough. And there will be a time yeah. and a place for really slow content, but <laughs> I think that we'll have higher pace, higher volume of content Um mm-hmm in our in podcasts that stick in that that 20 minutes to an hour plus kind of um range have you this is kind of off topic but also on topic have you noticed that every movie that has come out in the past year ish year and a half has been nearly three hours long yeah movies are are getting too long you would think that they they would be getting shorter because of these, you know, everyone's attention span yeah. and, and so much of the content that is put out are much shorter form things. I don't know if this is like Hollywood being like, well, oh, okay, all you Gen Zs who, mm. uh, with your TikToks, well, we're going to double down on movies and make them twice as long as they used to be. <laughs> As, as like, I don't know, out of spite or something. Not sure. But like, I just remember seeing the runtimes for like uh, all the movies that came out in a single month. I, it was like, I don't remember that the total, the, like the timeline exactly here, but mm. like the Batman was three hours long. The, the Bond movie that came out, I want to say like last fall or summer or whatever was like two, or when did that when did that yeah. come out? Oh my gosh, I don't even remember. Time doesn't exist anymore. But that was like two hours and like forty seven minutes. Like every movie recently has been so long, and I get very frustrated because I get really restless. I guess yeah. I'm part of the problem. My attention span is too short, but also I get annoyed because there is no reason these movies need to be that long. No, yeah, like we we've really shown in Hollywood that we can write short and long form content and do write really like 
really good stuff, both, you know, a 90-minute movie being really, really well done mm-hmm. and a three-hour movie being really well done. Like, mm-hmm. we definitely, we've definitely shown that we can do those things. But, like, I think what really triggered it for me was when Avengers Endgame was, like, three and a bit hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the conversations we ended up having, I was in school at the time, the conversations we ended up having of, like, we can't just go and watch it normally because if we went to go watch it at 6 o'clock, we'd be there till, like, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. Right. Um, and, you know, that's really late for, like, a school night. I had a friend <laughs> of mine who went and saw it in the morning and rocked up to school at, like, midday. He's like, yeah, I went and, like, saw the first showing of the day and rocked up to school at midday. It was we were in year 12, it became a lawless society very quickly <laughs> at my school. Uh, people did not turn up to many classes. Um, but, you wow. know, it was like, I'm like, you've been away for a long time. But it's like, yeah, that's how long the movie goes for. I'm like, uh, like, but I think on the flip end, and I think this is the very fascinating part, and I think we're going to see maybe this is the way Hollywood is shifting, is the rise of TV shows to tell Longer for like longer mm-hmm. stories with more characterization, but in shorter pieces, shorter bursts. Yeah, yeah. I like, am fine with I, that. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about the um, TV series Ms. Marvel at the moment. I don't know why mm-hmm. it just keeps coming up, but um, like that told. Like if we look at the story of Encanto as a movie. Mm-hmm. And the some of the the big key points that Disney kind of wanted to hit with that movie, and obviously it's showing Colombian culture and uh, Miss Marvel's showing Pakistani culture. But you know the hit the the beats that were hit in Encanto and the complaints that a lot of people had about you know the way it handled generational trauma and some of the pacing issues. And then you have a look at you know Marvel, which is also Disney's work, you know, mm-hmm. and their approach to generational trauma and the pacing of that show. And the the ability to spend time watching characters to develop and change and having a really satisfying ending to a story mm-hmm. as compared to trying to stuff, you know, three hours full of everything with all the nuances. Because right. let's be honest, movies are very shallow. How dare you? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. Like, I... In some movies can tackle a very, you know, a nuanced, complex topic and do it effectively, but it's usually like, all right, you get one thing that you can tackle and that's the narrative. Because I've seen plenty of movies that it's like, it's trying to, it just, the movie bites off more than it can chew. Yeah. And then you end up with, everything ends up being kind of like half-baked and it's like, well, I, I, the intent was there, but the execution wasn't great because you stuffed like five hours worth of narrative into a two hour movie and it just didn't really hit the mark. So yeah, I, um, I, I like this. Um, but the, the trouble with me is that if, as soon as something is a TV show, I'm like, oh, it's so much work to watch it. <laughs> I oh, have- yes. Yeah. So um, I just can't commit to tell. I have commitment issues when it comes to watching television. Because with a movie, I'm like, oh, I have 90 minutes. I can, or, you know, I have whatever, 120 minutes. I can do this. But I'm like a TV show. Yeah, it's short bursts, but there's a lot of them. Yeah. I get overwhelmed. 
I I feel I definitely feel you on that one. I also feel like like the urgency to watch a TV show is a lot less. Like in our head, we're like, oh, it's on the streaming service. I can just watch it whenever and mm-hmm. like just don't watch it. And so we lose that whole. Everyone has a collective experience all at once when watching a movie together, right? Um, and walking out of the movies and talking about it. Totally. I'm like, I don't think that Bullet Train. Well, not to not to dunk on Bullet Train, but it's still in theaters right now, but it's been out for a few weeks and I still haven't seen it yet. And I'm like, I wanted to see it, but it's like, I heard it's not even good. So I don't even care that much about it anymore. But I'm yeah. still like, people are like, you haven't seen Bullet Train yet? I mean, not for that movie, but like any movie that's like coming out that it's like the big event. And yeah. if I don't see it right away, I feel like a fraud. I'm like, I can't even call myself a film buff, a film lover, because I haven't seen whatever yet. <laughs> that gets me. The whole film buff thing gets me so <laughs> irate all the time. Like, please stop defining, you know, how how much of a fan of movies someone is by the amount of movies or how frequently they watch movies. Like, mm-hmm. just that's... But um, I had the same thing with Everything Everywhere All at Once where uh-huh. I had... Um, my friends love it. I just have not gotten around to seeing it and I feel incredibly guilty because I'm like, I know that this is going to be something that I really enjoy when I end it's up watching so it. good. But, like, I haven't gotten around to and I'm like mildly terrified that i've like missed the collective experience boat but at the same time i'm like sitting here going i have like three months left of university full stop i have like you know (laughs) i just came back from the u.s you know a whole bunch of other bits and pieces and so like i'm sitting here going can i you know how does um how does this work (laughs) like someone explain please and it's it's fascinating i really i really love it you can um, watch it whenever you have the time, and the that's other thing, the permission I give to you. Yeah, the other thing is like with podcasts that I um, like have ads in it that I listen to. Mm-hmm. A lot of the ones here in Australia talk like about Amazon Prime Video as the one streaming service that I like mildly refuse to get um, because it's just like. I don't necessarily want to be giving Mr. Bezos, Mr. Bezos. money. Um, Fair. And, well, I'm really lucky in Australia that, like, we are so backwards that, like, Amazon Prime Video is not a big thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, we will go to your Netflixes and your Disney Pluses well before we head to Amazon Prime Video. Um, yeah. You know, Apple TV and Amazon Prime have just not made it as well here. Hmm. And so they know that the two Australian homegrown streaming um, platforms, so Stan and Binge, which Binge is like HBO Max, but okay. with Foxtel. I'm not sure how that works, but it does. <laughs> um, and um, then Netflix and Disney. Um, and mm-hmm. then we've got um, our national broadcaster has a streaming service as well. It's like that's where most of the content is. There's yeah. no Hulu. There's no like 7,000 other streaming services. Um, and Dude, that's I have- where all the content yeah, I have subscriptions to every damn one, and I'm just throwing away money every month because I'm just like, well, I didn't watch anything on Shutter again. Mm. I d- didn't open <laughs> Paramount Plus again. So I've had Paramount Plus for I want to say six months. Mm-hmm. Objectively, the worst streaming service I've ever <laughs> used. Um, 
I the only reason I have it is to watch Avatar: The Last Airbender because they took it off Netflix and everyone was oh, upset. Yeah. Um, and I, when I first downloaded Paramount Plus, it would not let me watch content. Mm-hmm. It would barely let me download content and it would download it, but then I would be – and Disney Plus does this too, actually. I'll download something and then I'll be on, like, my mobile data and mobile data is disabled on all my streaming apps. Mm. And it wouldn't let me play it because it's, like, it needs, like, a little nugget of data for some reason. Like, please, I don't want to be, you know, using data to watch things I've downloaded on my phone. Right. The point of downloading it is to not use data. Hmm. Anyway, it's – it was. It's incredibly frustrating to, um, like, sit there and go. Well, I actually want to catch up on these movies that I haven't seen, and uh-huh. not be able to. You know, especially when sharing the the content that we consume is such a huge part of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it. It's kind of a. It's the, the the tools in your toolbox as <laughs> as a yeah. as a content creator. You kind of need access to all these movies, and if they're not available, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, a hundred percent. And it is like really important, like that we have spaces for people to just express how it impacts their communities. I think, especially. And I think the Bechtel cast um, was like a really core tenant in getting people to do this. But for BIPOC creators, for Indigenous creators, for women in general, um, Mm -hmm. but then also for like um, LGBT people and, you know, looking at how media interacts with these all these so many communities Mm -hmm. and um, what the impact they have on people is so fascinating. Yeah, it's it's something that uh yeah, I think about a lot, that we talk about a lot on the show and that I hope just continues to have like more of a just like more of a platform for like people to like just first of all like be aware of how media kind of affects and influences our our, our thinking and kind of reinforces or challenges our biases. Uh, and that also just, um, and you're seeing it more and more. Um, and there's always room for more, but just like, uh, that there, there is more content, um, out there from creators who are people of color, who are queer, who are disabled, who are women, you know, just the, I, th- I think people are finally like waking up to the fact that like, oh, it's, it actually is, not only like good for society and and progress but also like a financially good decision which is what drives and motivates the entertainment industry but it's financially responsible because it's like yeah people have been wanting this for years there are huge like these there are many people in these communities and people outside of these communities who still just want to watch something that is not exactly reflective of their own experience they want to learn and and just like consume content from from anybody and everybody so yeah that uh that's that's yeah yeah like one of the main goals of the of the Bechtel Bechtel cast which is just to kind of spotlight um media that is not made by uh cis het white yeah dudes. <laughs> 
um, it is it is so um, um, sorry um, chaos is I go and record a podcast and somehow every group chat that I have engaged with in like the last 24 hours suddenly re-emerges as pain <laughs> and everyone is online uh-huh. and so like I have my notifications silenced but then like I will like swipe away to check the audacity or something and it just yeah um, <laughs> But, yeah, showcasing creators who don't get an opportunity. We talk about this in Australian media as well all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, My friend Damien, I think, made the comment when he was on the podcast um, where, where, like, I, you know, creating content that you see in yourself, you know, whether it is region or identity or community specific, it's really, really important. And I think it really then increases investment in viewing other content as well. Mm-hmm. And for the straight white man who hosts a podcast, i.e. me, mm-hmm. um, you know, it really gives me an opportunity to experience these cultures and understand the complexities of these cultures that often is not communicated outside of a history classroom. And let's just say history education isn't necessarily the greatest funded part of our education system, which is just incredibly underfunded in general. So um, it's like, I would always say this about like comedy lineups, like a a lineup on a, on a standup show that I would be booked on. And it would be like me and then, uh, uh, and this, uh, it, I, you know, it all, it all depends. It's all, it's all relative. But like, let's say, for example, I used to live in Boston and yeah. I would get booked on a comedy show there and the lineup would be seven white dudes and then me, a white per- femme woman person. And it just, it just behooves everybody to diversify a lineup, a, a slate of, Shows yeah. on a network, us, uh, you know, the movies that are in, cause what would happen, and this is sort of like a micro example, but like to use the stand up comedy show, it would be, you know, seven white dudes and they'd all have like a dick joke and they would probably all be pretty similar or they'd all have yeah. a joke about like online dating. And yeah. because they're coming from like pretty similar perspectives and similar backgrounds, like they're, they're all basically kind of saying the same thing. It's just like seven, sets over yeah. and over again and then like my set which is also just like i it's like i'm also talking about online dating yeah. but like it just behooves you to it just is going to make the show more interesting for the audience if it's more diverse and it's just going to be better for all the comics because it's like oh fuck like this comic right before me told the, basically the same joke the that i same have joke. yeah <laughs> so it just works better for everyone involved if you just make it a point Mm. And to to diversify um, the the content, I think, yeah, I think it's also the sign of a good comic of like a the people you collaborate with, but b the um the content that you end up talking about. You know, yes, you might be a straight white male with a very similar experience to everyone else, but if you choose to focus on you know a something that straight white men don't necessarily talk about or maybe not feel comfortable talking about but sure. you you are quite knowledgeable for example you know I, and i see this with like australian and new zealand comics all the time they definitely talk about like interacting with tourists and mm-hmm. um you know you don't necessarily 
and Americans are notorious for being bad tourists, like just internationally. <laughs> um, but you know, you what? don't necessarily. <laughs> but you yeah, don't necessarily like talk about you know that kind of thing if you weren't you know. Uh, and I also see you know other comics using the audience way more and doing really interesting things with comedy. It doesn't mean that, you know, straight white men don't have a place in comedy, but what I would love to see is, and of all things, Lucas Arnold, who's like on TikTok, he does a really, really great job um, of collaborating with like colleagues who are are outside of the gender binary who are female who um are you know black indigenous people of color mm-hmm. um you know and especially his roast battles where like they're roasting each other and you get to hear the culture in like the way that they construct you know critique of each other or the yeah. way that you know the way that you you interact with each other and just even the presence of someone who doesn't fit into like the successful white businessman um makes things more interesting mm-hmm. totally i'll have to yeah. check wait what was this person's name again i'll check his name's I'll lucas, arnold. lucas um, arnold i'll send you a link to his stuff um yes. um uh yeah um it he's it's very interesting like it was just like one of the examples i could pull out of the back of my head you know there are other comedians there's been a rise in Australian comedians recently, and one of the ones that I'm really enjoying watching at the moment, he, like, didn't finish high school um, and mm-hmm. has made it really, really quite successfully um, creating both online content and being a traditional comedian as well. But, like, it's talking about, you know, the the stories that you have is when you tell someone that, you know, you didn't finish high school or something. Um, mm-hmm. And it's always fascinating to hear people with unique perspectives. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I could probably talk forever about, you know, my experience as the child of a military personnel. And I Mm. always find that, you know, jokes around that are often going to be way more engaging, way more interesting. People are going to find those way more funny than a joke about, you know, being at a bar because my experience in the bar is something that is – been overrepresented, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, huh. so fascinating. I, I'm we've we've gone deep here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so as you you know, as the Bechdel cast was you know plodding along, and you guys doing your amazing work as always. Um, oh, thank you. What were some of the like adaptations and adjustments that you kind of? decided to make as you went along um for for whatever reason not even just you know to keep it you know to keep the podcast relevant or anything yeah i mean we definitely as the show went on we just made it a point to be more and more intersectional and inclusive in our analysis Mm -hmm. because for the first like I don't know, a couple of years, we were focusing more on just like the treatment of women. And yeah. we were taking other things into consideration, such as um, race, uh, class, um, you know, sexuality, et cetera. But um, it was still kind of a focus on like, well, how does this movie represent women? And we just, you know, reached a point where we're like, well, that's just not quite enough for at least for what we want to 
be and what we want to actually be doing as far as our analysis goes, we want to make it as inclusive as possible and for all kind of perspectives and, um, you know, identities uh, and backgrounds to be a part of this analysis. So we just made sure to, um, you know, uh, broaden our horizons, I suppose, which Mm -hmm. included like um, doing more research, um, bringing on, um, making sure to bring on like guests who, who had the perspectives of the, uh, that that we wanted to um, learn about and, and share with our audience. Um, and at, at a certain point, we were just like, even like, <laughs> so for for um, listeners of of your podcast who aren't familiar with the Bechtel cast, we do something called. Uh, the nipple scale so we rate the movie at the end of the episode on the amazing brilliant genius nipple scale which is basically just like how does the movie fare how how like how feminist or how kind of empowering i suppose yeah is this movie on a scale of zero to five um most movies get like zero nipples one nipple maybe two if it gets like two and a half or more we're like okay now we're cooking um but even like only probably like two years ago we switched sort of the nipple scale from like how well does this movie represent women to like how well does the movie do when examining uh excuse me someone (laughs) is loud outside um how well does the movie do when examining it through an intersectional feminist lens, which, you know, yeah. allows us to take so much more into consideration. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's that it's honestly, I don't even remember to pay attention to if the movie passes the Bechdel test or not. I don't even care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's interesting that we have like these quote unquote simple tests that should you know obviously the Bechdel test is you know part of the the categorization I'm in my head at least of mm-hmm. these what's supposed to be simple but like the more you examine the more complex it gets of like is this a good yes or is this like a strong yes or is mm-hmm. this like an okay yes. Um, of does it pass and so then it becomes more of that conversation of like how to do better than you know a a binary yes or no right that plus like i just as we often like come up against on the podcast a movie can pass the bechdel test and still be like sexist trash or it might not pass for whatever reason, but still be like a pretty solid movie that like it is at least isn't problematic. It might, you know, not be the most empowering piece of media, but like, it's just, um, and as we've always said, it's just a jumping off point. It's just a way to yeah. kind of get a conversation started about, um, kind of just in- inclusion and representation. It's not ever, it was never intended to be like the end all be all like media test. And so mm-hmm. because of that, I just also, it's just hard to, <laughs> it's hard for me to, it is so hard. Pay yeah. Attention. Um, especially because like we only spend maybe t- three to five minutes talking about whether or not a movie passes the Bechdel test and the rest of the episode, the other 
I mean, speaking of things being too long, <laughs> all of our episodes. <laughs> I think we all do it. I had a podcast <laughs> recording the other day go for like getting close to an hour and a half. And I'm like, this is dangerous because I don't, I'm, I'm relatively light on the editing, but wow, this mm-hmm. is dangerous length. <laughs> our episodes are sometimes longer than the movies, embarrassingly. So it'll be like an, um, a movie that's like an hour and 50 minutes and then an episode that's like two hours and 15 minutes. Yikes. Yeah. Um, I would just recommend listening to it on like 1.5 speed. Um, Spotify does 1.2 and I mm. find that other than the music, it doesn't distort that much. I'm actually right. really enjoying listening on 1.2. It's That's um, my sweet spot as well. I edit at like almost two times speed from time to time when I'm like trying to speed edit and yeah. it is fascinating. I have like, I have to concentrate. Like it's the only thing I can concentrate if I'm editing at that speed. Mm-hmm. But when I, you know, when I'm running late, inevitably, because I can't seem to put an episode out on time ever, um, it's like the whole, I've got to get through this all. And like, because my edits aren't super technical, it's just like running through it as fast mm-hmm. as possible. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, two times speed, or, he's like extremist. I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> like people who listen to two times, but up to 1.5, I really enjoy. It's doable. Yeah. 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 So, um, point is, um, <laughs> if I, <laughs> not even sure if I've arrived at a point yet, but, um, yeah, the 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 show has grown in a way that I I feel very proud of, and, and to the yeah. point where like we we redid some episodes that we knew we absolutely did not do justice to yeah. the the discussion um, on our on our first go around. So um, yeah, I uh, I just I I really yeah. like the direction we're headed in. I really. I really kind of commend that because it's like this responsible fan management of like, we didn't do a good job. And <laughs> upon reflection, here's a better better version of the thing, you know. Yeah. And I think that's what's amazing about the media creation business is that like you get a chance to have a rego at things. Um, Especially with is- something as like informal <laughs> as podcasting. Yeah. Where, um, although, you know, there's all these, like, director's cuts of movies and stuff. But, yeah, with a podcast, you're just like, well, we didn't do a good job. Delete, redo. Oh, fire. The amount of times I've, like, especially when I have, like, an update episode. And I don't script my update episodes because I'm terrified if I write stuff down. I'll look at it and never record anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the amount of times I'm like, okay, that sounded shit. I'm going to restart the whole thing because... <laughs> And, like, it's often, you know, an update episode's maximum 10 minutes. And so it's like, oh, wait, okay, I can just re-record this. It's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. But, yes, it's so fascinating. And I really enjoyed watching creators, you know, it's not just the Bechdel cast, you know, creators go through their catalogue and go, you know, could we have done a better job at, you know, Mm -hmm. not not necessarily your job, but, like, you know, could we have done better at what we did? Um, Sure. And it's fascinating. Um, so looking towards the future, um, what, what kind of like aims or like dream goals you, would you have for like both the impact and like the physical podcast itself? I would love for everybody in the world to listen. Billions of streams. Doable, right? Um, 
No, I would, I, I would like for there to be, you know, we have a, um, a, a modest, you know, a decent, but still modest sized audience. And, um, yeah, I'd love, I'd love for more people to listen, not just for like selfish reasons, but I, I do feel like we're, we're, um, you know, doing something important and also entertaining, you know, we yeah. goof, we laugh, we know how to have fun. Um, but yeah, so, uh, everyone listen and then tell your friend. Um, but yeah, I would just love to continue to, you know, broaden our horizons and, and mm. with every episode, cause we, you know, I'm always like, reading reviews and and pieces that people have written about uh the movie or a particular like trope or trend in 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 media and movies so always educating myself always learning um you know growing as as much as possible and yeah just um keep kind of keep on a trajectory of of constant enlightenment and growth and personally for you how has the podcast kind of impacted and changed your day-to-day life and work? Oh my gosh. Well, um, I have cultivated a life now with this podcast where my job is to watch movies and then talk about them and then edit those discussions with, with editing software. But it's, it's like my full-time job, but like not even full-time hours. And so I'm like, making a living off of a podcast where I watch and talk about movies, not something I ever thought I'd be able to do or that I ever would do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I get to like live a, a pretty like <laughs> leisurely life uh, in which I'm doing my favorite thing, which is to watch movies. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, should I be using that extra time in my day to, I don't know, write screenplays? No. No. no you're right no you, you too <laughs> like my i'm always i always encourage people to rest on their laurels whether it's a good idea or not another <laughs> thing entirely but i'm i am i my parents get very ups not upset just mildly trifled at me for like <laughs> my my immediate desire to rest on my laurels as soon as any success comes up. <laughs> and they're like, really, Sam? You're going to do this again? You know that this hurt last time. I'm like, yeah, but I like it. Well, in a, a counter-argument to your to your parents, yeah. um, you know when, like, someone's on their deathbed and people say, and maybe this is, I don't know, an urban legend or something, but people yeah. are like, oh, what do you regret or what, what you wish, what do you wish you had done more of or less of in, uh, reflecting back on your life? And so many people say, I wish I had worked less and, like, spent more time with my family or, you know, like, just spent more time having fun. So, you know, I – and I don't want to be one of those people. So, I um, try to barely work <laughs> and just, like, have a really cool, chill, fun time. <laughs> and yeah. the Bechtelcast has, has let me do that. And I, and I know this is, like – First of all, I sound like a fucking piece of shit saying this. Um, where I'm like, oh, I barely have to work and I, my life is awesome and I just get to watch movies all the time. Um, I know that that is an extremely, uh, privileged, uh, thing to be able to do. Um, yeah. so I'll just, I, period, I, end I, of I almost feel like guilty for being successful. Like, 
I'm I'm by no means successful. But like as soon as I do get like I have something that is reasonably successful, I feel guilty for like enjoying the success and enjoying mm-hmm. like the you know, you win an award or, you know, something like that. And you feel guilty for being the person who's like getting the praise. My parents I turned 21 at the end of the year and my parents have spent the last like nine months basically be going, we'll pay for this because it's your 21st. And it's mm-hmm. not like everything. They're not paying for everything. And, you know, some of the things are like, mm, actually, no, I can definitely pay for that myself. Like that's not a – I'm financially independent of, from my parents. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I do. I had this conversation of like I feel guilty for like enjoying the fact that like people are celebrating my 21st birthday and want to like <laughs> buy things for me. Um, you know, I have the same exact problem. I'm also about to turn 21 and I feel so, I'm kidding if you can't tell, I'm (laughs) so much older than that. Um, but no, I, I have like, I feel guilty about just like earning any money, um, which maybe is like my like working class upbringing, but, um, I, I, cause I'm also like a socialist and I'm like, eat the rich and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. So anytime I like make more money than I, um, spend or need to spend, I'm like, oh, I'm a horrible person. I am a hypocrite. And then, and that's why I donate like hundreds of dollars a month to various mm-hmm. nonprofits and like mutual aid organizations and things like that yeah. to quell. My guilt. Is that the right word? What does quell mean? Yeah, I think so. Like to, yeah, to (laughs) reconcile the guilt that, you know, you feel as, you know, that a person in this really privileged situation, which let's be honest, you and I both sitting in, you know, really, you know, living relatively comfortable lives. And like, Mm -hmm. if I, if I think about it too much, all I get is very depressed about the whole, you know, poverty exists and people don't have money kind of, uh, and obviously, you know, there's a part of me that's like, I'm just not going to think about it. But the other part of me is like, I've got to do things to like raise awareness and share and like try to increase recognition so that, you know, I'm not like complicit in the issues that, you know, plague our society. Yeah. Compl- complicency. Wow. That is yeah. another word that I didn't say right. Quell, by the way, um, is a verb to put an end <laughs> to such as uh, a rebellion or other disorder, typically by use of force. So I did not use that word correctly. <laughs> Just uh, want, amazing. I want you to know that I know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's just yeah. Anyway, on that like amazingly, you know, positive uh, <laughs> note. Yeah. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for coming on Content and Capable. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's been the the pleasure is all mine. No worries. Um, and where can people find you on the internet? Oh my goodness, you can follow me on. Twitter and Instagram at Caitlin Durante. That is also my TikTok handle, but I um, famously don't know how to use TikTok. I only have two uh, posts, two two talks up there, and uh, they're both Titanic related. So if you're into Titanic content- We didn't talk about Titanic. I can't believe it. Nor did we talk about Paddington. Oh my gosh. Talk about not staying on brand. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Uh, 
<laughs> so follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Also go watch Titanic. Also go watch yeah. Paddington One and Two. Um, and just the best movies. Yeah. Oh, so um, much the best. And uh, yeah, TikTok if you must, but I don't know how to yeah. use it because I am far, far, far older than t- nearly twenty-one years old. Yeah, quality over quantity. I think. Um, <laughs> I produce TikToks and I think that they are hot garbage, um, to Mm. be honest. There was like a series that I did was like, I'm going to do like a daily analysis. We had a federal election in May. I was like, I'm going to do a daily analysis on like the headlines that have broke through, you know, at the campaigning for the election. Mm -hmm. And I was the most inconsistent person ever. I think there was like a week and a half where I just like didn't post anything. I was like, oh, I kind of forgot to do this. This exists. Um, and I had COVID in the middle of it as well, which was... Oh, no. Yeah. Um, fine. Whatever. I Yeah. I don't think about... I don't like to think about the COVID because it reminds me of every time I've been sick this year, which has been a lot. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Anyway. No, no, that's... It's totally fine. It's been a weird year. I think, um, mm. Obviously working, you know, speaking to a doctor and things like that, but like, it's just been weird um, yeah. of, of this all. Anyway, um, you can find me at sam.journalist on Instagram and TikTok and samobjournalist on um, Twitter. Actually, um, the, the things that I've been getting up to on Twitter recently is I read a very long article about um, Qantas, um, our national airline, um, and I shared it as if it was like some sort of petition. Um, and the other one was um, my newsroom this morning ran a story about incontinence um, and toi- and public toilets, um, which we thought was hilarious. And so we're mm. like, we're definitely sharing this on social media because <laughs> we're never going to regret this in the future. Um, so, <laughs> of course not. No. Um, yeah, no, never, never, no regrets <laughs> ever. Um, no. I really suggest people go and check out Scandal. Um, I know it's on Disney Plus. I think it might be on Hulu, at least in the US, um, and. Um, it's just a very interesting TV show. It did make me angry. I've had to stop watching it for a little while because I f- sometimes TV shows rub off on me. Like when I watch Gilmore Girls and I start speaking fast like a crazy person. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, there's lots of yelling and arguments in like Scandal. So like I've had to like stop playing it for a little while and just like mm, this. Is- I've been getting into too many fights from this TV show. So. Scandal, the like the Kerry Washington show. I think so. Yeah. The um the. I'm oh bad my at gosh, names. she's the star, and then the creator is. Oh my god, why Shonda? Shonda Rhimes. Um, yeah, Shonda Rhimes has written it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so fascinating. I really enjoy it. It reminds me of. I haven't actually watched The West Wing, but it gives off West mm. Wing vibes. So. Um, Having barely uh, seen both shows, because I am like strictly a half-hour comedy show. A person versus Appreciate, I can't yeah. get into our dramas. I just mm-hmm. I don't have the energy. But um, it is a beloved show, so I yeah. I, I endorse your endorsement of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it definitely is a good balance between that and yelling at Mako Mermaids, which is the other thing I'm watching at the moment. Okay, um, for for a um, fandom's gone wrong episode where we're just reviewing the whole season and it's an Australian TV show and it's, so it's really poorly written. It's great. Um, been yelling at that. It. Have you ever anyway, seen, I know we're about to end, but I just have one last yeah. question. Have you seen Summer Heights High? Fucking love that show. <laughs> um, it is deeply problematic, yeah. but like it is amazingly hilarious. And yeah, yeah. I, 
I've I've watched it quite late later. Like I think I was about probably 18, 19 when I watched it. Mm-hmm. But when I watched it, I was like, there's a reason why people love this. Yeah. It's uh, um, I haven't honestly consumed that much like Australian television. That's yeah. like the big thing that I have seen. And uh, I suggest if you've um, seen Summer Heights High, Jermaine Private School Girls always a good follow up series. Yep, um, watch that as well. Um, Jermaine is just an amazing character. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, and um, I can't think of another show for like Australian ridiculousness that isn't deeply like let's. It'd be nice if I had a TV show that wasn't deeply problematic and in that kind of vein. Um, the other thing is Bluey. Um, it's amazing um, okay. all the time. Um, all right. It's seven-minute episodes, so they're like watching like a short YouTube video. Oh, perfect um, for me. And it's on Disney+. Plus. So the only thing is Disney censored some things and, yeah, mm. Disney being Disney when it picks up an Australian thing. They don't like farts and pee. Who huh. would have known? Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, thank you, Caitlin, so much for coming on the podcast. I've loved having you on. It's been thank amazing. Thank you. Have a great day. Whee! <laughs> thank you for listening to Content and Capable. You can follow the podcast socials at Content, the letter N, Capable, on Instagram and Twitter. You can send a super boring email to us through contentandcapablepod at gmail.com. The art was done by Opia. You can follow them on opia underscore art on Instagram. Opia is spelled O-P-I-A. Feel free to message them about making art for your project. Our music was written, recorded, and edited by Nora Strauss-Riggs. You can find Nora at Kane underscore I, that's I as in the body part, on Instagram and Twitter. Feel free to message her about making music for your project or editing your podcast. Coffee. Tea. Honor. Cabbage. Long ago, the four elements lived in harmony. Then, shit went totally cray when the Avatar attacked. Only the Cabbage Man, merchant of fine cruciferous vegetables, could stand against his trolling. But when the world needed some dank veg, he vanished. Ten years have passed, and my partner and I have started a new podcast. My Cabbages! An Avatar podcast. A weekly show about Avatar The Last Airbender. Whether it's Sokka's new line of cologne. Hey! Look at you, sitting there on a seal. Well, now look at back at me. I'm on an on a even bigger seal. Now look away. D&D related antics. You have to make an acrobatics check for that. And Aang just like unzips his pants and whips out his D20s. He's just like, I got this. A randomly breaking into song. We'll stumble our way through the greatest show ever made one episode at a time. You can reach us at CabbageCast, which is our Twitter, or subscribe wherever you catch pod. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? Content and Capable is a podcast all about answering the question, how do you adult? Don't forget to rate and review it on your favorite podcatcher, and I will see you next Monday for another episode. Dave X Media.